everyone, and welcome to Chapter Brothers. My name is Nick Ackerman. And my name is Kevin Ackerman. <laughs> All right, and today we're going to continue on with uh, The Door or The Prisoner. I don't know. Well, what, what the book call is The, the Drawing of, this chapter, of the Three. The, the chapter, I oh, think, right, right. is The Prisoner. <laughs> True. The, and that's then The Door is to... like the, a sub-chapter with... <laughs> Yeah, I think, yeah, so the section is called The Prisoner. Chat, the chapter is called uh, Chapter One, The Door. So yeah, unlike uh, The Gunslinger, I don't know if we've mentioned this yet, but so far all of the section sections, and ch- not only the sections being named, but also the chapters are named. So it's a little bit more, you know, a little bit more of an idea of what you're going to see. Different. Exactly. So yeah. this, we're digging deeper. We're going further down the rabbit hole. Exactly. Absolutely. Yes. And in this section, <laughs> we finally see the eponymous door. Hmm. So eponymous door. Uh, real quick, before we go on, I just want to qu- have a quick Stephen King trivia. And it's going to be just literally one question to see if you know this. Love it. So, hey, it's time for the Stephen King trivia. Dun, da, da, da. Da, da, da. Um. <laughs> And actually, Kevin, I'm going to kind of totally shift gears. Ooh, I've been it. moving on, and, and I will go back to, like, chronological stuff. Um, but uh, you know what? Let's go to new stuff. Ooh, nice. Stephen King just came out with a new book. Do, do you know what is it called? <laughs> like, I've fallen just behind like, in my like Stephen last King month. reading. Oh, God. Uh, uh. <laughs> I do not know. I'm sorry. So it is called Holly. Holly, does that damn name it. mean I anything to you? Something for that. Uh, I think it's mm-hmm. a the name of a character. So I'm pretty sure this is like a from a pre-existing story, like sort of like a sequel book, right? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking it up right now because I, I should have been prepared. Um, okay, so. The character's name is Holly Gibney, who made her first appearance in go. Mr. Mercedes. So technically, this would be the fourth book that, uh, I'm not sure if she, it is, oh no, maybe this is the fifth book that she's in, because she was also in Finders Keepers yeah, I think and it's End a, of it's Watch. A, it's a recurring character, yeah. Recurring character, yeah. So nice. Yeah, the she's got her, her, own, her own full book now. Yeah. There you go. Um, so that was it. That was all for the Stephen King trivia today. <laughs> I do have to. I do have to pick back up uh, on my Stephen King reading. Like I think the last new Stephen King book that I read. Oh God, uh, it was a while ago. Like I started Mister Mercedes, but didn't get through it. So I think that's the that was the most recent Stephen King book that I read. But uh, yeah, the. I'll read anything, Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> Us talking is like, this is the reading I do is like one thing. Uh, Liz and I were uh, trying to get into a book club. I'm like, yes, whatever book it is, I, want, I just want to read it with you. I don't care what it is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> So I don't need to read everything. I just need to read one thing. Mm-hmm. Is, is, that's what I'm thinking. It's you true. Know? Yeah. One thing at a time. That's all we can do. One step at a time. Exactly. When, that's my mantra. When I walk into a library, when I walk into a library, I get like overwhelmed, honestly. I'm like, there paralysis. are so many yeah, books. Yeah, I get that too. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I know exactly what you so mean. So it's like, just tell me to focus on one thing and I'll read that one thing. Cool. Mm, true. I mean, that's kind of the, the whole point of this podcast, really. I mean, other than A, getting a chance to talk to you on a regular basis. B, I feel like it's definitely getting a chance to kind of show you one of my favorite book series. So I'm so glad that we've had this chance to do that. <laughs> 
I've been excited to read this one for years. So nice. And now we're on the second book. Exactly. It's awesome. uh, Making some, getting some, <laughs> mo- uh, not motivation. What's that word? Uh, getting some momentum. momentum. That's the one. Yeah, physics. I'm teaching physics this year, so yeah. Physics, 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 <laughs> physics, physics, physics. Yes. Right. Not just physical momentum, but like uh, uh, metaphorical momentum as well. Yes, very much so. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're up to section four. Section correct? four, correct. So whereas yeah, the uh, yeah the last what? section was Do you want to read? Uh, sure. So whereas the last section was definitely all about triage and kind of. Roland sort of picking himself up and sewing up his wounds. I feel like this one is sort of the beginning of sort of what this book is going to be about. And we, we sort of get an idea of things. Uh, well, this first few paragraphs is definitely more just sort of like continuing with him just sort of con- walking on autopilot a little bit of just sort of continuing because he has to continue in some ways. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah he, well, what I was thinking, and we're going to get into it, it's very reminiscent of him walking through the, the Mohane Desert. Precisely, yeah. You know? He, yeah. That, that uh, point where he, it's like, I just need water, and like I'm I'm trying to just soldier on and, and, and figure it out. Exactly. He's, of, he's surviving well, at this point. Even, he still hasn't know, found... We'll, we'll get to it. Exactly, yeah. So... He watched for three hours. He fell twice, and the second time he did not believe he would be able to get up again. Then a wave came toward him, close enough to make him remember his guns, and he was up before he knew it, standing on legs that shivered like that quivered like stilts. Uh, he thought he had managed about four miles in those three hours. Now the sun was growing hot, but not hot enough to explain why his head pounded and the sweat pouring down from his face. Nor was the breeze from the sea strong enough to explain the sudden fits of shivering which sometimes gripped him, making his body lump into goose flesh and his teeth chatter. Fever, gunslinger, the man in black tittered. What's left inside you has been touched to fire. The red lines of infection were more pronounced now. They had marched upward from his wrist, ha- right wrist, halfway up, the, up to his elbow. He made another mile and dra- drained his water bag dry. He tied, it, uh, he tied it around his waist. He tied it around his waist with the other. The landscape was monotonous and unpleasing. The sea to his right, the mountains to his left, the gray shell-littered sand under his feet, in, uh, under the feet of his cut-down boots. The waves came and went. He walked. He looked for the lobstrosities and saw none. He, wa- he walked out of nowhere and toward nowhere. A man from another time, who it seemed had reached a point of pointless ending. Shortly before noon, he fell again, and he could not get up. This was the place then. Here, this was the end. After all. So basically, all of that is very reminiscent to the first book, I would say. Uh, uh, but I have a lot to say just it. about that. Like, well, first of all, it's uh, going back to our biblical references. Mm. He, he he fell twice, and then he fell for a third time. Exactly at the end of this section. Um, so uh, the big thing I want to talk about here is I'm confused with direction. North, o- south, o- east, o- and west. Often I am too, yes. But you mean specifically in this book. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, no, no. In this, <laughs> Well, yeah, all the time. <laughs> Same here. But I'm talking about in this book because he said he was going north, right? That, that right. was his plan, to go north. He's going north, sure. So if, if I'm on the Pacific Ocean, which I think of the west, you know, but I guess... Is time and direction is like a construct, right? 
So West's is what we make of it. So for me, if I'm going north on the Pacific Ocean, the uh, the ocean will be to my left, right? Well, you're making the assumption that this is the Pacific Ocean. That's what I'm saying. So, but it says the sea to his right. Correct. So if I was going right at the Atlantic Ocean, it would be to my right. So, you know, huh. I don't know. Yeah, he said, huh. uh, what was it? The, so he's in the West. The path, so. that, the path that he's been walking, he's been walking, what is it, Northwest? Uh, following, um, I think at some point uh, in the last book, they said something about him following well, the trail. They changed that. Do you remember that? Yeah. They changed that in, in The Gunslinger. It went from Southeast to Southwest southeast or something. Southwest, okay. Um, <laughs> but, and then he keeps saying, like, Cuthbert, I've made it. I've made it to the West. So, like, True. what does West mean? What does North mean? What does anything mean? <laughs> that is fascinating. Yeah, if he's traveling, if he's made it to the West and he's been tra- and he goes, he's been walking all, he's been walking, I guess, to the West, but then now the ocean is to his right. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. You're right. Well, but it only makes sense if you, if you're looking at it from our uh, U.S. centered point of view. Mm. Uh, the the you know, the land could be to your right, and you're still going north. I don't know. Mm. Well, we're on a purple blade grass, so very true. None of this actually matters. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's but, that's always but, my answer whenever there's questions of logic or uh, direction or anything like that. I'm always just thinking, like, well, I mean, it's a fictional world. Who even says what West means? I mean, maybe. Uh, I don't know. The, the, their <laughs> there was this one show. don't line up, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was this one show I watched. Uh, oh, I forget the name of it. it. It was like one of those news shows, like a Daily Show spinoff or something. And mm-hmm. I forget the guy who uh, hosted it. But in the background, he would had the, the map of the world, but it was upside down. And I was just mm. like, well... well isn't it? We're always upside down. We're always right side. What is upside? What is right? What is downside? Who knows? Mm. You know. So, as I was reading that, I was like confused. I was like, "Well, if he's on the west, why would the ocean be on his right?" Um, but because it doesn't matter, and I need to like realize that's, that this that's is really another what it comes world. Down to yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, as they say in the beginning of uh, mystery science theater, you know. Uh, if you're wondering how he eats or breathes or other science facts, just repeat to yourself, it's just a show, and really just relax. It's just a show. It's just a book, mm-hmm. but just a book. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry. We're digging deep. <laughs> We're digging deep, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, at one point, I'm looking um, at uh, I'm looking at a section of from the first book where he says the question was oddly troubling, but since there seemed to be no answer, but the obvious one, he put yada yada. Uh, scanned to the desert. Uh, he scanned the desert and then looked up at the sun, which was now sliding into a far quadrant of the sky that was disturbingly not quite true west. So not only uh, are, mm. is time work differently here, but direction as well. So the sun is setting a little bit, a little bit yeah. off, a little bit not quite west anymore. So <laughs> we we do have some precedent for why directions I mean, might be a little bit sun, uh, hinky. Yeah, everything isn't perfect. Like we're on an orb that's hurtling through space, you know? So, mm-hmm. it, like, what you think of as, a, as west, like, depending on the time of year, like, the sun will set at different, you know, 
levels of the horizon. That is true. You know, I guess. And rise. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure. And the same in- with the moon too. Oh, well, the yeah. moon is actually even more haphazard because it's closer. You know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the moon's orbit isn't quite as regular. I assume. Uh, and yeah. I'm, I'm oh, sure. And I'm sure that uh, in Roland's world, it's even twice as irregular. <laughs> Whatever this world is, mm. I don't know. <clears throat> uh, on his hands and knees, he raises his head like a groggy fighter. And some distance ahead, perhaps a mile, perhaps three, it was difficult to judge distances along the unchanging reach of the strand with the lever. Well, sorry, with the fever working inside him, making his eyeballs pulse in and out. He saw something new. Something which stood upright on the beach. On the beach, what was it? Three. Didn't matter. Three is the number of your fates. The gunslinger managed to get to his feet again. He croaked something, some plea which only the circling seabirds heard. And how happy they would be to gobble my eyes from my head, he thought. How happy to have such a tasty bit. And walked on, weaving more seriously now, leaving tracks behind him that were weird loops and swoops. I don't want to read everything. Sure, yeah. This isn't an audio book. Very true. But basically, <laughs> yeah, as he goes on, he has more of those little parenthetical, uh, you know, uh, stream of consciousness interruptions that uh, Stephen King is famous for every so often. What I love about like, the stream of consciousness parentheticals is like, who's saying that? Whose voice is that? Well, I feel so like, like it's, when you say it out loud. Go ahead. No, yeah, I feel like it's kind think of it is? just all of the Roland's various memories kind of like bursting in, like to talk to him from various angles. So we hear the man in black. Yeah. We hear the Oracle saying three is the number of your fate. Uh, we hear uh-huh. like the part where he he's like thinking about like the birds wanting to eat his eyeballs. I feel like that's Roland's own voice uh, in some ways. And then uh, that's what I thought, too. Yeah. I was like, oh, wait, I'm saying this in the wrong voice right now. I'm like, wait a minute. This is just Roland's memory. Right. <laughs> yeah, so then uh, a little later, he, he's saying, uh, he imagined it was the desert again, somewhere between the last Outlander's hut, a musical fruit, the more you eat, the more you toot, and the way station. Oh, yeah. Where the boy, your Isaac, had awakened, had awaited his coming. Uh, so, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah just I, I should have little... kept reading because those, those more parentheticals were also uh, the ones that I liked because it was like him just remembering, like, what happened? Oh, there was this guy. The more you eat, the more you toot. Who? That's also more um, evidence for um, Zoltan is the Man in Black. That is in, like, interesting. Yeah. As though, <laughs> so basically, I've been saying that huh. since the beginning. I was like, because <laughs> hmm. like like shape shifting abilities or whatever you were talking about. So I, I thought that Zoltan was the, uh, anyway. But I mean, the more you, the more uh-huh. you do. And then your Isaac. That was something that uh, I I thought that all the parentheticals were the Man in Black. Hmm. Except for the one that you just said, and how happy they would be to gobble my eyes from my head. How happy to have such a tasty bit. That's the one that's like, well, that feels like it's rolling. But the yeah. rest of them feel like it's, it's our boy Walter Odin. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know? if, if, we, if we're thinking literally, I feel like uh, Zoltan had been... No, Zoltan was the bird. Brown had, been, had mentioned how he tried to teach uh, Zoltan the Lord's Prayer, but all he was uh, interested in was just uh, Beans, Beans, the musical fruit and all. Uh, so it, that because he didn't care about the Lord's Prayer because he's the evil guy. He's what? like, oh, this isn't Lord's Prayer's country. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, the man in black came to visit him when he already had Zoltan. So if they're both in the same place at the same time, they can't both be Superman. 
is my thought. Mm, did he say that Zoltan was there? I mean, I assume he. Uh, what What did he say? Well, Zoltan Brown had been said there? that the, 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 he said. All he said was that there was another before you, right. and he talks about like you know shaking the rabbit out of his sleeve, and like, but he never said that like there was a bird here too at the same time. So I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. Well, just the fact that he's saying that he tried to teach his bird the Lord's Prayer, but he did manage to teach him beads, beads, the musical fruit, uh, make, leads me to believe that he's had this bird for longer than the man in black uh, had been there. Let's see. Yeah, he said it was. Uh, I don't know anything. Two weeks and less than two months ago <laughs> is my point. But I mean, there's also the chance that maybe the man in black. We don't know what time it is. Uh, perhaps he, uh, Zoltan was the man in black's familiar of some sort, and uh, he was working, uh, you know, in uh, in teamwork with him in some way or something. <laughs> Who knows? All right. So, so this is a bad one, and Nick's predicts. I mean, uh, I never want to. I keep never coming back the, to that. True. <laughs> uh, I, I do always love Nick's predicts, but I never want to shoot down any of your theories because you know that anything is possible. So we'll never know. Uh, Anything is possible. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Anyway. <clears throat> um, <laughs> okay. His knees buckled, straightened, buckled, straightened again. When his hair fell in his eyes once more, he did not bother to push it back. Did not have the strength to push it back. He looked at the object, which now cast a narrow shadow back toward the upland and kept walking. He could make it out now, fever or no fever. It was a door. Mm. Freaking door, Kevin. Yeah. And not even like some sort of a portal <laughs> that could be metaphorically a door. No, this is literally a door. It's got a door jam. It's got a handle. It's got uh, some fancy text on the door. Yeah. On the front of it. Filigree. Filigreed handle. Exactly. I, I was I was looking that up. I, I love that word. Mm. And I think it just means like metalwork. Metalwork that's done in a way to make it look like a thing. True. Um, it always reminds me of uh, bed knobs and broomsticks. The that one spell that she casts <laughs> is right. Uh, yeah, pedigree, oh, apogee, pedigree, perigee, <laughs> and that turns you into a rabbit. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, apogee, perigee. Uh, that, that's the moon positions. Yeah. Uh, anyway, pedigree. Oh, huh. Actually, makes sense. To be honest. <laughs> oh, Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury at her best. True. Uh, is she, kind of is she still alive? No, she can't be. She uh, hmm, must passed away a long time ago. <laughs> now we're dating ourselves because she's going to die like tomorrow. No, she must have passed away years ago. She she died wrong? last year. Uh, well, oh. Yeah, October 16th, 1925 to October 11th, ni- uh, 2022. Oh, wow. So she got to 97? No. Almost 97. Math. Yeah. So yeah, ninety six okay. and uh, you know minus well ninety seven minus four days. Wait, what was her birthday again? Uh, her birthday is October sixteenth, and she died October eleventh. Huh. Mm-hmm. It's wild how sometimes people die like very. It's close true. To their birthdays. Yeah, mom and Doris were both the same <laughs> way. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh huh. Crazy. Interesting. Anyway, anyway. moving on. True. It's, um, it's, uh, but- it's been kind of an Angela Lansbury weekend because we were just talking. Uh, S- S- well, Cynthia and I were listening to the what is it? Uh, Office Ladies podcast. Murder she wrote? No, no, no. <laughs> they, they go through like every episode of The Office, and the, there's one episode oh, where they do uh, uh, what was it? Um, S- Sweeney Todd and Angela Lansbury was uh, in the uh, you know the original ca- uh, cast of Sweeney Todd. Yeah. 
That's wild. I didn't know that. She's got a great singing voice. Oh, totally. She's a Broadway stage star, you know. But what I knew her from first was uh, Mrs. Potts. Oh, no, actually, Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> and I realized, I was like, oh, it's the Murder, She Wrote lady is the, is the pot also. Yeah. Oh, Kevin, you want to do a hard song in karaoke? Ooh, what is it? Do BR be our guest mm. it's a lot it's by the end fast, of it you will you will be out you will be out of breath by the end of oh it. yeah <laughs> it's a lot of fun especially if you do both parts you know mm. it, it's good if you have a partner to be like okay you do mrs potts and i'll do lumiere you know true yeah anything either uh stephen sondheim or howard ashman are always going to be very a lot of fast lyrics that have a lot of but, like yeah, building exactly building the whole time to like a climax in the end and you're like oh god <gasps> please be our guest you know and like <sighs> <laughs> totally yeah oh yeah There. that's one of the reasons why I almost never do Disney songs for karaoke because people don't realize that like uh, just in terms of singing ability it's tough yeah <laughs> yeah totally well it depends or, on the song well, I guess Oh man! Yeah. Oh, so I started watching. We are getting way off topic right now. Sorry, right. but anyway, uh, the new Little Mermaid. Oh, I was checking it? it out. I haven't um, seen it yet. It's. Well, I, I only started watching it, then I fell asleep. I, I got to watch the whole thing tomorrow. But it, like, I was just very confused at first. I'm like, whoa! Like everything is wrong. Like, oh. This is live action. There's like actual crabs talking. There's an actual fish speaking, and I'm like. Everything was just weird. I, I think uh, the voice of Scuttle is a woman. Oh, nice. And I was like, oh, I am totally thrown off because I expected Buddy Hackett, you know? <laughs> I mean, at <laughs> least... It's a dingle hopper. And so, oh, it's a dingle hopper. And I'm like, oh, okay. Phew. And I had to, like, turn it off. And I was like, I need to come back to this with just a fresh mind. Yeah, clean slate. And be like, totally things are thing. different. Yeah. And that's fine. But I was just, like, thrown off. and But that's cool. I, I like it when things are different, yeah. you know? I mean, at yeah. least they didn't make flounder an actual flounder because real flounders they like they lie on the sea floor and they co- cover themselves in <laughs> dirt. They have two eyes on one side. Yeah, yes. <laughs> flounders are very ugly. Very and that's ugly. Not, well, uh, uh, wait. I hate that word. That's not a good word. Ugly. What does that even mean? Flounders are very unique in the fact mm. that they have evolved. Mm. They're physically unpleasant to look at. I mean, let's be honest here. <laughs> Uh, there are some words that I mean they still have to serve the purpose that they do like I mean even if we're not it's it's our imperfections that make us beautiful you know so like what does beauty mean and what does ugly mean I mean this flounder is a perfect example is ugly I feel yeah. like, yeah, because even if it it might be, you know, physically unpleasant to look at, but it evolved this way so that it could be sort of just completely camouflaged so that it can eat things without even realizing it's there. So it's an effective Absolutely. evolutionary strategy. Totally. It's a, a, a weight predator. Oh, there's a word for that. Ambush Nicholas, come on. There you go. That's the word. Crocodiles are the same way. And Cookie Monster. Cookie Monster, exactly, yeah. I'm definitely imagining him just, like, lying in wait in some sort of uh, a swamp or something, and just all of a sudden, like, 
you know, Big Bird so starts just slumping along, and then all of a sudden you hear. Cookie Monster is totally an ambush predator. Yes. Okay. Anyway, yes, back to the. So yes, Corolla found a door. <laughs> yeah, a door, right? I don't know. Okay, so this is the other thing I was thinking about with the door, okay. Kevin. Uh, is C.S. Lu- C.S. Lewis yes. and. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes, this uh, is the very, line, the witch, much, the wardrobe. Yeah, the the um, what is that word? Uh, Portal? No, no, no. Um, Where no. something is uh, out of place. Uh, oh, it's a, a apocryphal. Not well. Right? Apocryphal wasn't what the I was word. looking for. In not in mm. Calgruis. It's uh, um, the one. With time, you yes, mean? exactly. Like, um, uh, Nicholas, you know this word. It's in, called. In, in, um, mm-hmm. It's funny when you're looking for a word and you're trying to find it. Yeah. But, like, you're like, oh, it's right there. It's like the word that just means, like, time, time, chronos. Anachronism. That's the one. Anachronism. There you go. I, I knew it. we'd get there eventually. Anachronism. <laughs> it, it has our, our ack in there, too. Precisely, yes. Like Ackerman. <laughs> Anachronism. Yes. So, a door appears. Why did it take us so long to get there? I love that word. It's a great Damn word, it. yeah. But I feel like incongruous yeah, is, is, is also kind of the, a syn- synonym as well in this uh you know, particular case. Uh, whereas, yeah. you know, just like having a street light in the middle of a forest uh, related to nothing, we've also got this door in the middle of a beach uh, related ah, to nothing. Yes. yes. 100%. Well, that was the cool thing about... Uh, did, okay, I don't want to spoil uh, the Chronicles of Narnia or anything. Have, have you read all those books? I, I think I got through the first three, but then I think it was either... Prince Caspian or the Voyage of the Dawn Treader when I lost interest and I didn't get through all the way to the end. Yeah. Yeah, I kinda I kinda lost interest too. I, I don't think I got to the end. I think I got further than that. I got to the Dawn Tre- actually it was probably Dawn Treader. Mm-hmm. Um but, I, but there's also a prequel. That's the important part. It's called the, I think it's called the Magician's Nephew. The Magician's is that the Nephew, first one? yeah. Because the other thing yeah, is yeah. that uh, in some like boxed sets, they they set the order of the books differently. Like in some cases, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is the first one, and then in other ones, the Magician's Nephew is book one. So it depends on sort of which one you read. Actually, now I want to kind of. Let's see. I'm kind of curious. Which one do you write first? Uh, I think he wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe first, and then he came back to the Magician's Nephew. And this is a, a constant thing I see in a lot of series now that I'm realizing. Mm-hmm. is like they, they started in Media Rays. Mm-hmm. Or, or, am I pronouncing that correctly? Medias Rays, yeah. In medias ris and like but in the media in the middle of things sort Correct. of like star wars you know it's a period of civil war and it's like you don't know what happened before you don't want to happen that after but then we're going to go back eventually and talk about what happened oh, before wow, yeah. um so, the wheel of time is yeah and, and this um anyway go ahead yeah the uh the magician's nephew was actually published in 1955 whereas lion the witch in the wardrobe was published in 1950 so this was the sixth published novel of the uh the the series the chronicles of narnia but technically the first one in order the hobbit was was uh published in i don't know 50 something no i'm way off 
Oh, I should know this. No, it's 30-something. It was The Hobbit. And then, like, Lord of the Rings didn't come about to, like, uh, like 50s? Early 60s, actually? Oh. So, like, it took... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. 37? Yeah, 37 is correct. What? Yes. <laughs> I nailed it. I didn't look that up, mm. guys, by the way. True. Kevin looked it up. I am the, the fact checker, <laughs> yes. Yeah, Lord of the Rings was uh, first published 1954. So the the Hobbit had, was just sitting on its own for something like 17 years before uh, he finally mm-hmm. came out with the, the, sort of the more the more serious and the adult uh, trilogy to go along yeah. with it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, back to the door. Back to that door, yeah. yes. We, we've been there, leaving, we left Roland on that beach for a, for a while as we go off on our tangents. <laughs> Guys, move on. Uh, <laughs> anachronistic. It. It's, ana- it's a, Why would there be a door here in the middle? And now, so here's the weird part. It's like, and, and this is kind of what is the rest of the chapter is like. <sighs> him just sort of walking around this door and checking it out. He is using like, the full scientific method here. He is just what using as much observation on? as he possibly can, yeah. Uh, I love it. Um, well, he's using his qualitative uh, observations. True. It's, it, um, he's not uh, using any sort of controls or experimental group or whatnot to kind of see what the door can do. Well, no, he technically did at one point where he... Go- he, 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 went, he, he tries it twice, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, for, first of all, but before we move on, before we move on, to do, 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 where do I want the filigreed... Uh, uh, filigreed handle? Doorknob. Yeah. What, what's on the filigreed handle, Kevin? Um, Why don't you read? Yeah, so uh, basically... Wait, have, we, have we gone too far? No, 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 <laughs> I, I think I'm we're jumping good. Ahead. Yeah, we're still good. So basically, he sees the door, he kind of keeps walking, keeps walking, yada, yada. Uh, and then he crawled. Uh, so he eventually... The door grew closer, closer, at last around three o'clock on that delirious, long, delirious day, with his shadow beginning to grow long on his left, he reached it. He sat back on his haunches and regarded it wearily. It stood six and a half feet high and appeared to be made of solid ironwood, although the nearest ironwood tree must grow 700 miles or more from here. The doorknob looked as though it were made of, go- made of gold, and it was filigreed with a design which the gunslinger finally recognized. It was the grinning face of the baboon. There was no keyhole yeah. in the knob above it or below it. The door had hinges, but they were fastened to nothing. Or so it seems, the gunslinger thought. This is a mystery, a most marvelous mystery. What does it really matter? You are dying. Your own mystery, the only one that really matters to any man or woman in the end, approaches. All the same, it did seem to matter. So, basically, after that, yeah, he's kind of... (laughs) Sorry. I I like how you finished it. All the same, it did seem to matter. Okay. So now I'm understanding the the italics a little bit better. Mm. It's all Roland's voice. It's, yeah. It's all Roland just remembering things, you know? Like, I was trying to speak in, like, Oracle's voice or, like, the Man in Black's voice, but it's just him remembering things. True. If you want to do it on the advanced version, you can pull out all of the original voices, but to do it on medium or beginner version, we could just have it just all be Roland's voice, and it still counts, yeah. But wouldn't it be cool to have, like, a montage where it's, like, this person and that person? Yeah, True. Uh, this is th- These are the things that I'm setting my hopes high for, for the, uh, the, the adaptation of, like, ooh, maybe he's gonna have just sort of, like, the voices appearing from the ether, and, you know. Wow, that'd be so like cool. That. That'd be cool. Especially Court's voice. Oh, like, yeah. Court comes in in a second, right? Or, or we passed that already. I'm sorry. Uh, true. Yeah. I think Court was last week when he was talking about, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, maggot. Maggot. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's good enough. <laughs> so the filigreed handle is a uh, the grinning face of the baboon. The baboon. Yeah, that's so, the thing. He's got the mama mama monkey on his back, back, back. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh shoot! What's the name of that song again? Uh, uh, is that? Uh, back, oh, back, back, then. Trying to see my soul alive. No, 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 no. Nobody's fault. Nobody's fault but mine. Oh yeah, so my buddy's in a Zeppelin cover band They're called the Urban Sheavers Check them out at uh, West Seattle Brewery Every second Saturday And they're all over the place And they're awesome My buddy's the uh, bass player (laughs) Yeah, Cynthia and I are actually going to go to see uh, A cover band His name's Ryan Burns, good guy Nice. Yeah, Cynthia (laughs) and I on the 29th We're going to see a band called Les Zeppelin That is an all-female Led Zeppelin cover band Nice Mm. We're actually seeing uh, uh, Speaking of all-female band We're going to see a Sinead O'Connor tribute band I think I only really know the one uh, Sinead O'Connor song Yeah, I'll have to look her up I don't know very much It'll be enlightening for myself Nice To be honest Because I don't know know much either But I like to learn things Uh, Liz is a big like Jenny Lewis fan do you know yeah, Jenny Lewis? I like Jenny or? Lewis. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I never like it was. It was a great concert. I had an awesome time. Awesome. It, it's it's fun finding finding new bands. Anyway, it's nobody's fault but mine. Anyway, uh, so the baboon. To the baboon. The baboon yes. is. I, I I have a feeling the baboon is going to be because <clears throat> I did see the last page. Eddie Dean. Eddie Dean. Is, is that going to be? Yeah. Okay. That, that's all I know. Sure. I stopped there. The title of the next I, chapter is I haven't is read Eddie any Dean, further yes. than that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That, that's what I'm guessing. And I'm guessing Eddie Dean is the prisoner. I'm guessing that he's addicted to heroin mm-hmm. uh, because the, the, the name of the demon is heroin. Correct. Right? Yes. Yeah. The, the oracle in the mountain basically said as much. Yeah. Without sort of being able to fill in the gaps between those nouns. Yeah. So, so now we're finally getting to that point. Like, oh, okay, this is the guy. All right, exactly. Well, and this is a new character. Indeed. Yeah, and not only that, but uh, <laughs> one of the additions to the end of the Gunslinger, when the Man in Black is talking to him about sort of, you know, if you get to the end of the universe, would there just be a hard shell, or would there be some sort of a, a sign that says this far and no further? No, there would be some new experience that you don't realize. And uh, one, and the addition to the new version. is is perhaps uh, perhaps it's a door at the end of the universe. So now we've mm. got one of those doors that uh, uh, may go to is who knows where. The end of the universe? Mm. Huh. Okay. Wait. Before we move on, I, I started going too far. Okay. Uh, do do <sighs> I think I left off at. Uh, um, let's see. Yeah, I, I, I say it did. There was no matter. keyhole in the knob. Mm. All the same, it did seem to matter. Oh, yeah. This door. This door where no door should be. It simply stood there on the gray strand, 20 feet above the high tide. High tide line, seemingly as eternal as the sea itself. Now casting the slanted shadow of its thickness toward the east east as the sun westered. Written above it in black letters, two-thirds of the way up. Written in high speech. In the high speech. Were two words. The prisoner. Mm. A demon has infested him. The name of the demon is heroin. 
Uh, I'm going to stop real quick right there because uh, a door with words above it, you know. (laughs) What does that make you think of, Kev? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like my primary thought would be towards this, but uh, what are you thinking of? I was thinking of Lord of the Rings, of course. You know, speak friend and enter. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that, <laughs> precisely the this kind of thing, yeah. So, and also mm-hmm. probably, uh, well, that was, uh, like, hidden on the, the side of the Mines of Moria, so. But yes, definitely a door where one would not expect one to be, so. How, I, I guess it's a common trope from lots of things, mm-hmm. you know? A, a door with words above it? That's everywhere. True. <laughs> hmm. Bathroom. Well, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, the obvious you know? one, I'm sure. <laughs> Exits, yeah. Um, you know, room, whatever. Oh, what's the what's the a one one three or something from Pixar? Sure. Yeah, a one one three. Or every single you know college room, any room. You're like, this is room number blah. This is room number. Blah. Exactly. So I, I'm to br- being to silly to Stephen, saying to bring it back to Stephen King, uh, room fourteen oh eight, like a hotel room. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I, I, was... I am always eager to hear all of your uh, Lord of the Rings comparisons because I feel like there's there's definitely some inspiration that Stephen King drew from Lord of the Rings for sure. Yeah, well, it's just a big freaking door. It also reminds me of uh, what's the one from J.K. Rowling, um, Harry Potter, the Mirror of Erised. True. Yeah, where it's got. Well, that one isn't really a door, but it does have the. The sort of like the inscription around it where just in backwards it says uh, what is it Um, I show not your reflection but your something your deepest desire your heart's desire desire. yeah 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 something like that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Sounds better. <laughs> I, I knew. It, I just knew it ended in desire because that's said, yeah. it was, the whole thing's backwards. It's like yay. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, boop, boop, boop. the gunslinger could hear a low droning noise. At first, he thought it must be the wind or a sound in his own feverish head. But he became more and more convinced that the sound was the sound of motors, and that it was coming from behind the door. Open it then. It's not locked. You know it's not locked. Instead, he tottered gracelessly. So I, I don't want to, like, read all this, mm-hmm. Kev. Like, uh, like he's just, like, figuring things out. Yeah. Like, like he, hmm. I feel like this is... What's gu- happening yeah, here? Yeah, this is the gunslinger being very <laughs> methodical and very, like, careful as he's going towards this thing. Because he knows immediately that... Possibly instinctively enough that he doesn't even really need to say it, that this is a very powerful magical artifact that he doesn't really understand. So he's like, okay, before I open this door to whatever might be on the other side, I'm going to analyze it very carefully. So he kind of walks around Mm -hmm. it. And then when he gets about to the, like, seeing the door from the side, it just disappears. And so it's just uh, so he like he looks at it from the opposite angle and there is no door. So there is no back. So, yeah. So and then his little his first experiment, I should say, he takes a rock and he throws it and the rock hits nothing. And it just goes forward, like through where the door would have been. Yeah. So. Wait, 
What? Yeah. He takes a rocket. I, I didn't remember that. Wait, first, before we go on, I, I thought of another reference. Yeah. Um, what is that movie where there's just like a big black obelisk? Uh, 2001 um, oh. Space Odyssey. Yes. Right? Mm. It's like, why was that even in the movie? I don't even understand that part. Well, <laughs> uh, do you want me to explain uh, how that, what that is about? Yes. Okay. Please. So, it makes more because sense. I think it's appropriate for what we're talking about. It's Very a thing so. that doesn't belong. It's right. so. If you read the the novelization, it kind of makes it clearer. But Stanley Kubrick is all like, "Oh no, it should be all mystery and blah blah blah." But um, so in the book, it's basically the obelisk is a artifact of a very like a super intelligent alien species that they kind of go throughout the universe and kind of planting um, these little these objects that will cause whatever species is on that planet to become much more intelligent and sort of like shoot their civilization forward in time. So that's why I love this. Exactly. So that's why once those, uh, you know, Australopithecus or Homo erectus, whatever that, uh, like eight people that first, uh, see it, then once they touch the obelisk, then they start using tools to not only like fight against the other apes, but to also kind of like scratch at things. So that's kind of the origin of civilization in some ways. So then we shoot forward to the year 2001 when we reach the moon, and then they dig up this other obelisk. So basically, the first one is to kind of set us into motion, and the second one on the moon is to basically serve as an alarm saying that, oh, well, you know, this species that we, that was kind of just sort of scratching around, like, uh, doing nothing, has been able to achieve spaceflight. So the once they do that, then it's sort of saying, okay, so these are maybe they can, you know, be inducted into whatever, you know, federation of planets or something or whatever they've got going on. So that's why it sends a message to the one that's over by Jupiter. So then that's basically almost like the second test to be like, okay, so you get went from Earth to the moon, but can you go from the moon all the way past to this other planet? So then when uh, Dave finally gets there to sort of like analyze uh, what that second much larger monument is, uh, I'm not sure if you could even really tell in the movie that that's what it's doing. But basically, there is a oh, oh yeah, in, <laughs> there's a second giant monolith that's orbiting Jupiter, basically. And so oh, that's what that's what it was. That, now this movie makes sense. OK, I yeah. need to read the book. Exactly. The book is amazing. Uh, yeah, Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah. It's uh, George Orwell. Uh, Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah. That's it. And yeah. um, so once he finally gets to that larger monolith, then that one sort of sucks him through because it's some sort of gateway. So that's what that whole trippy, super colorful thing is, that he's being shot to some other location uh, across the galaxy. What? And oh so, my gosh. So then once he, once he arrives <laughs> Mind there... Mind blown. Yeah, once he arrives there, he's essentially in the equivalent of like a human zoo. So he lands in this weird hotel where he kind of is just sort of looking around, doesn't know what's happening, and 
those weird like flash forwards of him seeing like an old man or whatever is just Stanley Kubrick being weird but essentially what happens is he spends the rest of his life in this weird human zoo thing where they give him like what they assume is like human food and stuff based on uh, TV uh, transmissions I, 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 gotta re- I gotta read this book mm-hmm. I gotta read this book it's true <laughs> well <laughs> this far I, I've got, I'm I've guilty of it for spoilers you. true okay go ahead okay so basically after he goes through this whole like human zoo at the uh, for the rest of his life he's an old man he's lying on this bed when he sees another obelisk in front of him and then that one oh. is basically what sort of transforms him into a higher life form and that's why he sort of appears as this like space infant uh whatever that's like uh gigantic in space because he's been transcended into uh, a higher sort of being Whoa. Okay. Uh, when did Arthur C. Clarke write 2001? Uh, well, he wrote it. Uh, basically, he and Stanley Kubrick were kind of writing the book and producing the movie at the same time. And the movie at the same time? Oh, really? Exactly. Yeah, okay. they, yeah, they created oh, it together. But the weird thing huh. is just that so the- St- Stanley Kubrick wanted there to be so much more like weirdness and mystery and you not to know what the hell's going on, whereas Arthur C. Clarke is like, no, no, we should be more specific that this is what is going on because he's like a hard sci-fi writer and he wants the the readers to understand things, whereas Stanley Kubrick is just like, nah, 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 let's just make it crazy and visuals and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. I definitely prefer Uh, the Arthur C. Clarke storytelling method. Uh, It's like Jim Henson and Frank Oz talking to each other. I I don't know, maybe not. I could see that. Uh, and that's not a correct analogy, yeah. but like I'm trying to think of a, a duo or like someone's like like Steven Spielberg and George Lucas mm. or something. Uh, I could not, see that. not even that. Mm. <laughs> True, yeah. Because there's there's always like huh. yeah. I, to me, actually, no. It's uh, bringing it back around. Uh, C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. I would say there you go. Because that's I feel a like J.R.R. Tolkien <laughs> is like no. You need hard rules and you need a whole language and you need to have everything be much more specifically. <laughs> stated and C.S. Lewis is like nah we're just going to do something fantasy and crazy Santa Claus shows up for no reason <laughs> <laughs> no uh, Father Christmas Father Christmas sorry sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh by the if you ever get a chance read the, the Father Christmas uh, stories that um uh, Tolkien wrote to his kids. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know they're, he did that. Ad- they're adorable and wonderful, and <laughs> just really great. Mm. In fact, uh, yeah, I'm gonna make to make that a Christmas kind of tradition with Sullivan. It's like this is Father Christmas talk, and, and oh, there's there's a polar bear character. I think it, it's just you know, nice. Tolkien being Tolkien, of course, <laughs> <laughs> nice. But like to his kids, and like that's ah. Uh, I mean that's how stories are, and this is this is a story we're reading, Kevin. True. So like, and and life is a story. Mm-hmm. And this is what I was telling my kids. Like, every school year is a new story, mm-hmm. and when you start a story, first thing you need to do is establish the world and establish the characters. True, you know. Um, <laughs> and it may be a little boring to do that, mm-hmm. but you need to do it in order for it to get exciting. Exactly. So. Bear with me in these first couple days of school because eh, 
it's a little bit weird. I'm talking about the scientific method. Oh, we hear about that every year. I was like, but it's important to like get a reminder about yeah. how important the scientific method is because it's the beginning of the school year. But as the year goes on, we're going to do some cool ass stuff. You know, like we're going to do this. We're gonna, so it's me just like building up the momentum for what the school year is going to be. Um, and that's every book you ever read. It's like, what the heck is going on here? Who who are the players? What, why do I care about this? What is this world? You know? It's so, true. You got to set things up before you can really get the, the ball rolling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Establish what a ball is <laughs> and where it's rolling to. <laughs> yeah. And what is gravity? True. And why does anything roll? <laughs> oh, <laughs> physics. Anyway. Serious. <laughs> that's, the, that's Newton's first law. So no. yeah. yes, first is that the anyway, object uh, there, in motion will want to stay in motion? Object at rest will stay at rest. Stay at rest. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That's what it means. Nice. That's why we're hurtling through space. Exactly, gravity. But uh, but what started it on the beginning, we're still learning, and that's the cool thing about the the James Webb telescope it's like physicists are like oh everything we thought we knew was right is actually wrong because now we can see further oh my gosh nice mm. uh with uh, michio kaku uh, uh, oh I yeah the, yeah I've, I've seen like he had a tv show for a while and he's written a bunch of books yeah he's uh, yeah. yeah he's a great uh, he, physicist yeah i i, I saw him uh, post something that was just like we need to go back to the drawing board here. And that's what the scientific method is all about. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, I thought this was going to be true. Oh, wait a minute. No, it's not. Mm. We, we, more research is needed. Definitely. And that's that's what the gunslinger, that's what Roland's doing right here. Well, actually, has he been referred to as Roland in this whole section? Uh, I was just yeah, thinking. Yeah, he has been, yeah. That's, Every so often, oh, they'll okay, go okay. Roland. So they're just going back and forth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But the gunslinger is slow, like, but but in this scientific method moment that you're talking about, he she keeps being referred to as the gunslinger. The gunslinger needs to do this, and he needs to do that. Mm. Um, uh, oh, the no. thing with court is actually coming up. True. Yeah, now I realize it. Okay, so you were Here. right. He Why don't we just skip ahead? True, you were right. He doesn't um, actually throw a rock. He just sort of walks up behind. Uh, the side where there is no door and he just sort of pushes his hand through and there's nothing he acquired mm-hmm. he encounters no resistance is what he says uh yeah but it's just a, a, a trippy door yeah like it only exists in, <laughs> just, in two dimensions but not in the, a third or fourth it's like what the heck <laughs> yeah and only from one side uh. two two dimensions is an interesting thing to like imagine when you're in three dimensions True. we're in three dimensions but like but like, oh that's actually just flat so if I look at it it's not even there it's mm. just a line exactly mm. actually that's let me see uh, walked slowly past thinking of the yeah the gunslinger walked slowly back to the other side of what wasn't there already thinking it had been a hallucination to start with a he stopped at one moment, he had been looking west at an uninterrupted view of gray rolling wave, and then his view was interrupted by the thickness of the door. He could see its key plate, which also looked like gold, with the latch protruding from it like a stubby metal tongue. He walked. Roland walked his head an inch to the north, and the dog was and the door was gone, moving back to where it had been, and it was there again. It did not appear. It just was. It was just there. 
so he's doing this sort of walk around. And so it's not technically uh-huh. only two dimensional because at a certain mm-hmm. point he does see the thickness of the door with the latch in the middle. So it is technically three dimensional, but only is. only up to a certain point. Okay, so it is there. It is there, yeah. It, it, it's like the obelisk. It's just like, oh, that's there, that's but weird. why? Yeah. <laughs> it defies uh, quantiz- uh, you know, quantification, I guess. Logic. Yeah. yeah. The, the, this shouldn't be here, but it is. Meanwhile, Roland okay. is trying to apply logic to it uh, as he's walking around, seeing what the dimensions are, seeing exactly what it looks like, and the, the feel of the metal and everything. So, yeah, it's fascinating. Well, I, just another example of uh, Rollins on the spectrum. Mm. I need to, I need to really examine this thing mm. for a while, or or he's just a scientist. I don't know. True. Hey, it and doesn't have to be one or the other either. The, the, yeah, yeah. There's a Venn diagram. Very, you know, very much. Just cer- certainly overlap. <laughs> so yeah. So he kind of looks at it for a while, and then uh, let's see. Oh, there were all okay, sorts okay. of things to wonder about, but the truth was simple. Here stood this door on an endless stretch of beach, and it was for only one of two things, opening or leaving closed. The gunslinger realized with dim humor that maybe he wasn't dying as fast as he thought. If he had been, would he feel this scared? He reached out and grasped the doorknob with his left hand. Neither the deadly cold of the metal, nor the thin, fiery heat of the runes engraved upon it surprised him. He turned the knob. The door opened toward him when he pulled. Of all the things he might have expected, this was not any of them. The gunslinger stood, froze, uttered the first scream of terror in his adult life, and slammed the door. There was nothing for it to bang shut on, but it banged shut just the same, sending seabirds screeching up uh, from the rocks on which they perched to watch it. So, roll. yeah. I I, I was so confused when I read that the first time, I was like... <laughs> what the hell was that? What, 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 what could it have been to make this gunslinger who's afraid of nothing just scream and, and terror? I, I, and, and I just kept, I was like, why would you put a section change there? But he's savvy. Yep. Good it's old Steven. He's a very good exactly. writer. He, he knows how to like grab What's your attention next? and move forward. Yeah. Now, at this point, uh, I, let's uh, go back. Sure. Um, was this published as a book or in the fantasy and science like no, this, serials? This one was published uh, as a complete book okay. the, from the beginning, yeah. The, Got it. This one doesn't have the, the right. long uh, pub, diff, uh, the differing publication history that uh, the Gunslinger <laughs> did. Because if I was making a comic book or something, that's where I would have stopped. Oh, yeah. Tune in next week <laughs> to see <laughs> why. What the heck? <laughs> what the heck did Roland see? <laughs> mm-hmm. And what do you think he did see? I, I was still confused. Uh, so it continues. Uh, what he had seen was the Earth from some high, <laughs> impossible distance in the sky. Miles up, it seemed. He had seen the shadows of clouds lying upon the Earth, floating across it like dreams. He had seen what an eagle might see if one could fly thrice as high as any eagle could. To step through <laughs> such a door would be to fall screaming for what might be minutes and to end one's and to end by driving oneself deep into the earth. So Roland sees this earth from an incredible height, and he's, he's just, just like... High. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's like, did I open a door onto a cloud? Where the hell am I? So uh, so then we come on to exactly what you were talking so about. I was, uh, I was surprised by that. Yeah. Well, I was surprised by that real quick, just to... Just okay, to what did he see? Yeah. Like, he was just very high up, right. you know? So he's... The thing that really scares Roland is heights? 
Well, he's a, I mean, he's never been Ac- that high acrophobia? in his life. I mean, that's that's beyond uh, acrophobia. That's uh, imagine like just being at cloud height, uh, like looking down upon clouds from somebody who you know uh, ostensibly only has like a medieval level of technology, aside from you know a few uh, you know metal pumps and uh, stoves and whatnot. Uh, but other than that, everything that he's ever seen has been fairly kind of like pre-industrial, I would say. He has shot children in the head with a gun. Like, I mean, that's messed that, up. But and that doesn't that have anything to do with technology, no. <laughs> I'm saying he's never, I'm sorry. he's never heard of a plane, is my point. So he has no idea why because, a human being would be uh, at that do, height. Do, do, do. Uh, the first scream of his... Te- this first scream of terror in his adult life. Sure. Terror. Mm-hmm. What does terror mean, Kevin? Abject like, horror. To you, like, uh, so, down to like a physical level where you can't even control any reactions that you cause because you're so all of a sudden so is, terrified. Is terror different than like shock or like uh, jump scare? Like scare? I feel like, like sc- what is that? jump scares can cause you to be terrified. Yeah. I mean, it's all kind of overlapping mm. words into some sense. We're in a big Venn diagram mm. of, of words. Wait. Like, this is terrifying, but this is scary. Mm. This is this, and this is that. Okay. Um, anyway, I'm very afraid of heights. Mm. <laughs> it's not that I'm afraid of heights. I'm just afraid of falling and dying. Sure. And, and like, I'm like, oh, I don't want to want to die. Yeah, it, it, I feel like <laughs> being afraid of heights is just sort of caution uh, a few steps further than is necessary. Like, I feel like to some degree, being afraid of heights is a good thing that you shouldn't be, you know, cavalier when you're climbing up a mountain and you could fall all the way down and get horribly injured. But be it like to where, you know, where where it becomes uh, acrophobia is really when you become sort of gripped with panic or you uh, get like uh, vertigo or something like that, where you kind of can't even control yourself. So I feel like. It's it's just caution taken a few steps too far, I would say. Caution taken a few steps too far. That's anxiety, I would say. Well, right? I mean, potato, potato, honestly. <laughs> In general? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just talking about True. stuff. Anxiety anyway, is just a more generalized um, term, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, do, 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 do. So he's really high up. No, you saw more. Mm. I'm going to continue Go here. <clears throat> he considered it as he sat stupidly on the sand in front of the closed door with his wounded hand in his lap. The first faint traceries had appeared above his elbow now. The infection would teach, would reach his heart soon enough. No doubt about that. It was the voice of court in his head. <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I always imagine court sounding like Neptune. <laughs> yeah. Take two. <clears throat> Listen to me, maggots. Listen for your lives, for that's what it would mean someday. You never see all that you see. One of these things they send you to me for is to show you what you don't see and what you see. What you don't see when you're scared. Scared, or fighting, or running, or fucking. No man sees all that he sees. But before your gunslingers, sorry, but before your gunslingers, those of you who don't go west, that is, <laughs> those of you that don't go west, that is, that's better. 
You'll see more in one single glance than some men see in a lifetime. And some of what you don't see in that glance, you'll see afterwards. In the eye of your memory. If you live long enough to remember, that is. <laughs> because the difference between seeing and not seeing can be the difference between living and dying. Alright, I'm sorry I stammered through this, but... Damn, that that's like a really interesting like view of what the gunslingers are, you know? They're just like we're aware exactly you know, of what's going yeah. on, you know? Yeah. Constant vigilance. Constant vigilance, <laughs> yes. Yeah, court, court is totally mad eye moody. Oh yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Uh-huh. So then the gunslinger kind of as he's sort of like sitting there on the ground and looking at the, you know, the the red lines of infection moving up his arms. He's just rethinking through what he saw. And he had seen the earth uh, from his huge height and it had somehow been more dizzying and distorting than the vision of growth, which had come upon him shortly before the end of his time with the man in black, because he had seen through the door because what he had seen through the door had been no vision. And what little remained of his attention had registered the fact that the land he was seeing was neither desert nor sea, but some green place of incredible lushness with interstices of water that made him think it was a swamp. But what little remained of your intention, the voice of Court mimicked savagely, you saw more. Yes, he had seen white, white edges. Bravo, Roland, Court cried in his mind, and Roland seemed to feel the swat of a hard, calloused hand. He winced. He had been looking through a window. The gunslinger stood with an effort, reached forward, felt the cold and burning lines of thin heat against his palm. He opened the door again. So, as soon as he kind of, like, puts his awareness in... You saw more than you... Yeah, as soon as he puts Mm -hmm. his awareness in, he realizes that he hadn't just been looking like the door didn't open to uh, and it, some in- immensely high height but he what he had seen was this height but uh, with white edges around it so it was a window that he was looking through mm-hmm. something else so yes <laughs> it's like you were scared for a minute don't be scared and and continue forward with your um, intent like okay that was scary now try again mm. basically exactly <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, so now, after he was scared of <laughs> looking from a high height, um, and and Court coming in, and, and I love that whole thing by Court that I read. Like, um, it, it, it's it's him saying, like, get over your fears. Yeah. Like, you're going to be afraid of things, but you need to move on. And, and I questioned, you know, Court's <laughs> teaching methods. Mm-hmm. Hitting him with a calloused hand. Yeah, Yeah, that's not cool. Like, I would never hit a child or anything. But he has good intentions. Correct. He's like, in order for you to be what you need to... He's more of a, uh, like, a drill sergeant. Exactly, yeah. He's not... Arlie Army. He's not an elementary (laughs) school teacher. He is a drill sergeant who's basically teaching soldiers from the age of about 10 years old. So, it's... Mm -hmm. uh, And that's a whole different thing. It's like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I would never. Oh my gosh! Because mm-hmm. some days it's like, just please stop talking right now. Because I'm speaking, and like I, I will give you a chance in a second. But like, just don't interrupt me. And 
That's hard for some people. Don't you interrupt people sometimes? I interrupt you all the time, Kevin. I I feel like in order to get a word in edgewise, sometimes I have to interrupt because all of most of my friends and uh, people that I love are all kind of long talkers. So I have to be able to like just sort of wait like uh, and almost like a runner and just be like, and this is the two words I can say before you go on to some long topic. Yeah. Now it's my turn. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm like, just raise your hands. Like, and I will, because also sometimes, like, and this is just in general, like, sometimes people just talk a lot. And I'm like, I'm going to raise my hand. I do this with my wife sometimes. I, I love Liz, but uh, uh, no but, and <laughs> um, I, I sometimes just like, I want to talk yeah. for a second. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Cynthia is the same way, right? I feel like Cynthia does. Uh, I feel like we're a little bit more of a kind of back and forth. We do. I feel like Paul is the bigger culprit, where he'll just sort of go on and on in long stretches of conversation, where I'll have to yeah. just sort of sort of like uh, sniper a few words in there uh, as uh, in the middle of his conversation. Yeah, uh, brother Matt can be like that. Yes, indeed. And yeah. Dennis a little bit too sometimes, mm-hmm. but you sure. know, Lauren too. She'll she could go on and on uh, depending on what she's. Well, this is why about, we yeah. should have them on the show. Exactly. Ugh, I am so looking forward to the day when all of our schedules can align and we can get uh, more than just I was like, you all need to read the book. Well, this is when it happens. Mm. Sundays. Check it out. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, anyway. I love all of my friends Precisely. who speak a lot, especially, but, especially my wife. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like the, this is just the way that we've kind of learned that we have to sort of... Uh, fit as much meaning as we can into as few words as possible because then once you have this evocative sentence then they're like oh what do you mean by that and then you have an opening that they've sort of like parted the uh, the that's that those few words that I've been able to get through or sort of the machete that I've been able to get through the the, <laughs> the jungle rainforest oh. of their conversation yeah <laughs> I like that oh. that's good <laughs> wait Listen to me. <laughs> I've got I've got something good to say. Exactly. Uh, this is why this podcast is great, Kevin, because it's just the two like people who don't talk. Exactly. Who are talking yeah. the whole time. The two quietest quietest Ackermans are are getting our say and being able to speak at length about uh, some things that uh, you know, uh, just whatever comes into our mind as we're reading through this book series. Yeah. <laughs> This is fun. All right, let's uh, let's keep going. All right, we can get to the end. We got to get to the end. Yeah. Uh, the We're view he there. had expected. So this is uh, section six section now six. in the prisoner or the door. The view the view he had expected that view of the earth from some horrendous unimaginable height was gone. He was looking at words he didn't understand. He almost understood them. It was as if the great letters had been twisted. Why is great letters and capitals there uh i think it's weird like there are sometimes well it makes it makes me think that it like the the great letters are like the high speech where basically for um well we're gonna see it in a second but well so so he's he's reading a newspaper Either a right. newspaper or a magazine, one of the two. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Something like that. Uh, there's words, about there's the a picture of yeah. Yeah, but the picture was a picture of a horseless vehicle, a motor car of the sort which had supposedly filled the world before it moved on. Mm. Suddenly, he thought of the things Jake had said when at the way station, the gunslinger had hypnotized him. This horseless vehicle 
with a woman wearing a fur stole laughing beside it could be whatever had run Jake over in that strange other world. <laughs> that it, this is that other world, the gunslinger thought. thought. Suddenly, the view. It did not change. It moved. The gunslinger wavered on his feet, feeling vertigo and a touch of nausea. The words and the picture descended, and now he saw an aisle with a double row of seats on the far side. A few were empty, but there were men in most of them, men in strange dress. He supposed they were suits, but he had never seen any like them before. The things around their necks could likewise be ties or cravats, but he had seen none like these either. And so far as he could tell, not one of them was armed. He saw no dagger nor sword, let alone a gun. What kind of trusting sheep were these? Some red papers covered with tiny words, words broken here and there with pictures, while others wrote on papers with pens of a sort the gunslinger had never seen. But the pens mattered little to him. It was the paper. He lived in a world where paper and gold were valued in rough equivalency. He had never seen so much paper in his life. Even now, one of the men tore a sheet from the yellow pad which lay upon his lap and crumpled it into a ball, although he had only written on the top half of one side, and not at all on the other. The gunslinger was not too sick to feel a twinge of horror and outrage at such unnatural profligacy. Profligacy. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to get to profligacy nice. because I love that word. That's a good word. True. Yeah. Profligacy, <laughs> um, the reckless extravagance or wastefulness in the use of resources. So, yeah, uh, the, definitely. Well, and, yeah. And, and, and so, and it's also him talking about cars in general and the use of like fossil fuels and like just wastefulness. You know, mm. I think this is his. Uh, talking about environmental science yay let's save the earth and I, but I feel like this seg- segment like ties into exactly why great letters was uh, capitalized because I feel like if paper is so valuable that it's roughly equivalent to gold then the words that you choose to write upon paper have to be much more powerful and much more important so I feel like oh, yeah that's why they refer to it as like the high that. speech and all so that like not only the speech but the great letters are like just sort of the written equivalent of a high speech so that they're this uh, you know powerful thing uh, that is words and choosing to write words on such a valuable commodity such as paper oh I want to write something Kevin yeah we should I don't know what's going to be mm. but yeah write something fun it's true that's you know? that's what i love so much about stephen king is that he <laughs> he turns the idea of writing into something that's powerful and important and seems like and something that anybody could do that creating this whole other world uh, just out of uh, whatever is in your imagination and that's why i love him so much yeah mm-hmm. oh, the written word is is like a, a really important thing and i hope dad finishes his novel Me too <laughs> He's been talking about that, and I bet it's going to be wonderful because Dad is very good with the written word. Yes, he is definitely. Yeah. So, in uh. any case, so beyond these men was a curved white wall and a row of windows. A few of these were covered by some sort of shutters, but he could see a blue sky beyond others. Uh, 
So goes on, describes the a woman who's wearing a uniform that he could see the place well, I, where her I, legs I, became I, her crotch. There was nothing he had ever seen on a woman <laughs> who was not undressed. So very much sort of Victorian kind of like <gasps> my word. <laughs> oh, clutch my pearls. She's wearing pants. Oh no. Uh, what do you think that? Do you think they're like McDonald's or something? Like, uh, well, let's see. <laughs> so I'm trying to think of like. <laughs> what uniform is just red pants? Uh, well, it doesn't matter that it's a woman. It could be. Oh, well, she offers him cigarettes. Was she offers him thing? a drink. Oh no, gin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a bartender of sorts. So, so yeah, she not offers him a drink. There. They're high up in the sky. Therefore, she must be. Oh, that's what's going on. He's in a plane. He's in a plane, and she's a flight oh, attendant. Exactly. Nicholas, I am so slow. I mean, just- I read this three times, Kevin. <laughs> and I didn't get that. I was like, "What's going on? Are they, are they in the paper? Oh, okay, they're in a plane, Nicholas. All good. All good. I knew you would get there if I just took it step by step. But yeah, they are in a plane, indeed. Yeah." <laughs> Okay, I get it now. Mm. <laughs> so she's a yeah a flight attendant. Mm. I, I get it. <laughs> oh wow, wow! I'm slow. Sorry, Dad. All good. All good. <laughs> right over my head. Mm. It's, a, it's me doing the the hand motion over my head because mm. Nick is slow. No, don't worry. About anyway, it. Uh, we work better but, together. That's the so, whole. Do Jin voice answered, and the gunslinger understood that suddenly he understood much more. It wasn't a door. It was eyes. Insane as it might seem, he was looking at part of a carriage that flew through the sky. He was looking through someone's eyes. Whose? Whose? (laughs) Sorry. I should have said it like that. Whose? But he knew. He was looking through the eyes of the prisoner. Mm. The carriage through the sky. Nicholas, why didn't you? Why didn't I see that? I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, okay. But yes, so whose <laughs> whose eyes? I, I, I'm assuming it's Eddie Dean. Eddie right? Dean seems and that's like all I've read. I, I I haven't read any words on this page yet, but I'm stopping here. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, next uh, next week we will find out who exactly is Eddie Dean, and uh, Eddie Dean? pick up on the next the next step of Roland's journey as he's sort of seeing through the eyes of this other person. So I want to uh, pontificate a little bit. Um, prisoner, Pr- prisoner of what? Is it a prisoner to heroin? Is a prisoner to like his addiction, or is he an actual prisoner? Because he's in a plane right now. He is. But is it like Con Air or something? Like he's like <laughs> with you know U.S. Marshals taking him somewhere? I don't know. Possible, <laughs> possible. Huh? We shall see. We shall see. So far, our only our only hints are that he is, uh, let's see, a demon has infested him, known as heroin, uh, and he is known as the prisoner, and his name is Eddie Dean. So we will find out next week exactly how maybe he's like a rock star, maybe or something. And he's on like a private plane, or something. I don't know. I don't know who Eddie Dean is. Mm. I know who Dizzy Dean is, but that that was a pitcher. <laughs> There's always got to be a baseball <laughs> reference at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. got to Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Jimmy Dean. Jimmy Dean for some sausages and country music, sure. James Dean. James Dean music, indeed. So yeah. Anyway, music, movies, this is what am I going. About? 
He's an actor. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah what, uh, what was the movie? Well, he died very early. He's he's only yeah. Rebel Without a... There you go. Yes. Yes. I don't know why we got on this. Anyway. anyway. Um, I, th- I think we could probably call it here. I think and so. then how far should I read? How far uh, should I read let's next say, time? Let's say... One, two, three... Yeah, I think we can read up to the end of section five because I feel like these sections get shorter and shorter. Which I like. I like short sections. I agree. Yeah, as in general, because I don't. I'm not a very good reader, mm. and like I'm like, oh, it's just a little bit. I could just read a little bit, mm. you know. So so uh, then the gunslinger retreated again. Exactly. Yeah. That's where we're gonna finish. Yeah, because I feel like the those end five of section five. Yeah, that should be good. Cool, cool. All right. All right. Well, until then, Kevin, long days and pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. I love you, brother. <laughs> love, love you, too. Oh, we forgot to do the whole thing. Uh, yeah. Thing? Check us out on Facebook and uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like and smash that thing. I'm not good at this part. We're, I mean, honestly, you're the one who's kind of maintaining <laughs> our social media presence and thus far it's just sort of a picture from each cha- from each, each section, which I appreciate, but I feel like really we're here just for the podcast itself. So, I mean, if you're listening to yeah. us, you're already listening to us. So, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not social media influencers <laughs> by any means. So, you know. We don't give a crap exactly. about smashing the like button and subscribing, whatever. Yeah. We're just chapter brothers. We're just here to... Is nicking? Yeah. Nick and Kevin Let's talking. Listen to our takes on the book. Yeah, you've already you're already doing. Oh, really? You're paying attention to the part we want you to pay attention to already. So we've already got you. So tell your friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, as long as I get to talk to you, brother. Precisely. I love you, man. Precisely. Love you too. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye.